From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 252 for the week of February 13th, 2014. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team. Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Malata-Willie, Michael Bowling, and Tony Spatel. In this segment, Mary Jo begins her series of Day 6 Adventures. So tell us what Day 6 means, Mary Jo. Thanks, Tom. Sure. Day 6 refers to... Saturday? <laughs> no. No. no not in this That's case. what I thought. Mm-mm. No. The Disneyland Resort, a little over a year ago implemented the restriction of only five-day hoppers. So if anybody wants to stay at Disneyland more than five days, they have to get an annual pass or a one-day pass plus the five-day park park hopper. And that can get to be a little bit expensive. So what we're going to be doing this year is, in this series, we're going to talk about day six. If you're there at the Disneyland Resort and you have the extra day, there's so many things to do in Southern California and we're going to be exploring some of them. So where are we heading today? Today's trip is taking us to Santa Barbara and Solvang. We're going up the coast. Um, in the past, we talked about driving along south, um, going south, but now we're going to go up north. And um, today's trip, will, we're going to first go to the beautiful city of Santa Barbara and then to the Danish town of Solvang. Each of these can be a day's destination in itself, But many times, my own family has done both in one day, and so today I'll talk about a day-long visit to both Santa Barbara and Solvang, a very long day. I recommend starting the trip early and head out to Santa Barbara for a late breakfast or brunch. It'll take about two hours to get there from the Disneyland Resort. If you're an early bird, leaving at 6 or 6.30 would get you there fairly early in the morning for breakfast. I definitely would not leave much later than 8 a.m., can I add a piece there? Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, make sure that's two hours on the weekend. Because if you get, and also it depends when you hit, if you're going from Disneyland Resort, if you hit, if you leave a little later and then you get stuck in driving into downtown LA traffic. In that case, I would say you leave at six in the morning. Would you yeah, agree? If you, yeah, if you leave at six, you should be good. But if you leave any later, then it's better to just wait. Because then you're stuck in the. And I think Nancy would appreciate that. The um, not the waiting, but the um, knowing the, the disc. Like when then you get stuck in L.A. and then um, Hollywood, and then the Valley, and because yeah. like in the Valley, there's sorry not to sound like one of the Californians, but in the Valley, <laughs> there's Warner Center where a lot of people work at, and as that that's how you're taking as that's how you're going to Santa Barbara on the 101. Everybody's going to work, so yeah. yes, leave at six, but it's worth it. But you, you make a really good point, especially since we're going to be going through downtown L.A. They'll be taking the 5 to the 101. Oh, yeah. So, And the, 101, the 101 gets especially busy during the work mornings. I would probably recommend going ahead and taking the 5 all the way up to um, the 134 and then cutting over to the 101 and avoiding downtown altogether. That first, when you said the 5 all the way up, I went, really? And then you said 134, <laughs> and I went, no, you're right. I was having a, I was, mm-hmm. that was the in, that was the internal dialogue I was having in my head. I was talking a lot in my head, and that's what it came up with. But yes, no, she's 
Not that you need someone to approve your directions, especially <laughs> someone who doesn't know how to. But to the a second is always good. House. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's right. The 134. So that's why we're yeah. a team. Um, and speaking of the 134, I think if you take the five to the 134, you're meeting it around Pasadena, right? Um, yeah, actually, be- no. The five to the 134 is actually Burbank and Glendale because that's how you get up to um, uh, Walt's Barn okay. and the uh, studio and all that good stuff. So you're still going to be going past downtown. You're going to be going past the Dodger Stadium and getting to the 134 to cut to the 101. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so Nancy turned me on to a an app called Waze, and I really recommend it. I typically use that to um, calculate how long it's going to take me to get from one place to another. So thank you, Nancy. I use it all the time. It's W-A-Z. You know, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun. You can be a li- I'm a little zombie on Waze. <laughs> You'd have to get on it to, to find out what she's talking about. But um, I, I recommend either using Waze or Google Maps, but preferably Waze because it's um, input by users, especially here in Southern California. There's a lot of people using it. And it will let you know if there's accidents on the freeways and if you need to take mm-hmm. another route. And it'll get you to your destination. And I actually used it when I went to Santa Barbara and to Solvang. So as, once you do get on the 101, as you drive north, you'll be going through some rolling hills. And you'll note that when you pass the 23 freeway north, that's the exit to the Reagan Library. So if you do intend on ever going to the Reagan Library, kind of situate yourselves. That's where you would take off to go there. And that's located in Simi Valley. You'll come out of the hills, which are part of the Santa Monica Mountains, into the town of Camarillo, which is named after the Camarillo brothers, who were early Californios. This area was discovered by the Portuguese navigator Juan Cabrillo, who came upon the indigenous people who were called the Chumash. And the Chumash were all up and down the coast in this area. And when they came upon them, they were at a place called Point Magoo, which is west of Camarillo and is now a large naval air base. Um, If you're into history, you can explore the nearby canyon walls and caves in this area, and you can see some of the pre-Columbian paintings of the Chumash Indians. There's also a museum in the nearby city of Ventura that has artifacts on display. Another thing to note about Camarillo is that one of California's largest outlet malls is located there, and there are about 160 stores and restaurants um, I always mean to stop at them, and I always go before they're open or when they're already closed and... Have, it gets very busy there. But they're so And pretty. sometimes parking's very hard to find. Yeah, and they're pretty... If you... If you um, Camarillo from Disneyland's probably about an hour away or so. Like Tony whoa, said, whoa, depending whoa, whoa, whoa. on traffic. So if that's something... Wait, that, I can't say it's an hour. There's no way. An hour from Disneyland? All right, maybe... Because it takes like an hour to get to... Um, you're talking like with no, I don't mean to be mean. On an early with Saturday no tra- or Sunday like, morning traffic, yeah, yeah. with no traffic. Okay, maybe an hour and a half. It's an hour from my house, or less than an hour from my house. So, really? Yeah. How fast do you drive, woman? <laughs> <laughs> I go early in the morning, so I, I leave like at six in the morning, so I beat a lot of the... You, you the, get there by seven? Yeah. I go to Camarillo a think. lot on, on business. You drive fast. I I'm sorry. I don't. Because I don't like tickets. and um, we Okay, well, c- continue talking. I'm going to do the math, right. and I'll be back. <laughs> I'm, I'm 15 minutes south of the 405, excuse me, 15 minutes south of LAX on the 405, so. Okay, <clears throat> to continue, 
Um, <laughs> some famous people that do live in the area are Kaylee Cuoco, if you know her from the Big Bang Theory. Uh, Brandon Cruz from the culture of Eddie's father all lives in the area. And like I was saying, it was only it's only an hour commute from Los Angeles, which makes it easy except for the infamous L.A. traffic. So I did throw that in there. Um, and maybe from Disneyland because it is in Orange County. We're talking an hour and a half, perhaps. But Disneyland to Santa Barbara is only about a little over two hours. It's not much over two hours and a good traffic day. On a Saturday or Sunday morning, I can get from Burbank, which is right at the 134.5 interchange. I can get down to Disneyland in 35 minutes. Okay, so add... Okay. So, and so the add about another, you know, 25 minutes past that on a no traffic point in time. So it takes you probably like an hour and a half to get to to Santa Barbara, right? Probably. We've never actually driven all the way to Santa Barbara. It's so beautiful. As <laughs> you know. As you will we've find out. There, we've been there once, but not when we lived out in Burbank. Okay. You'll we find out. We went there when we lived down in the city. Okay, it's 80 mile, 80.3 miles exactly from the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim to the Camarillo Premium Outlet. And at 65 so, miles an hour. Then that's mathematically impossible. <laughs> because if it's 80 miles there, and you're, you'd have to drive 80 miles an hour to get there in an hour. But Mary Jo doesn't like tickets. That's not possible. <laughs> that's. I think, I think she said it was an hour from L.A., not an hour from the Disneyland Resort. Right, yeah. Okay, you're... You're right. I will I will do some more calculations, and I will be right back. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Thank <clears throat> you, traffic boy. <laughs> That's what we'll call him. And traffic on the fives with Tony Sp- So continue. Does he give weather? Okay, well, now I've, I've updated Google Maps. <laughs> okay. Okay, you're right. I apologize. Um, you obviously are going above the speed limit by 2.1 miles. Well, actually, a little bit more than that. It says if you go, I put Carson, California to the Camarillo Premium Outlets, 67.1 miles, one hour and 12 minutes. So 70 miles an hour, that's... Yes, yeah, 70 miles an hour. So the truth, really, this was a, this whole thing was about proving that you <laughs> break the law and you go over the speed limit. But I don't get a ticket. At 70 miles an hour, you're not going to get a ticket. Well, when they pull you over, you just pull out your I'm on the Dis- <laughs> Unplugged podcast, and then they're... I'll say, but Tony Spatel just, said... Oh, that's that's not a good thing. Don't don't. You might end up getting put in state state bin. So so if I'm at Disneyland and I want to get to wherever you're trying to get me to, how long does it take? Let's say it takes an hour and a half from the okay. to get to the outlets. To get to the outlets. Okay. Okay, and but that's leaving at six in the morning during on a weekday, and leaving. The outlets won't be open. I was wondering, when did these outlets open? <laughs> we have to catch those. They don't open until 10, but you can have a nice leisurely breakfast and go sightseeing and then... And you can get a really good deal if you can get in there before they're open because there's nobody there. So you can just take <laughs> the stuff for free. Mm. I'll stop off at Brandon Cruz's house for <laughs> there breakfast. There you go. I, you'd rather stop, <laughs> uh, stop off at Brandon Cruz than um, Kaylee Cuoco? Okay. I don't watch that oh, show. okay. She's a very attractive woman. Anyway, continuing north. I'm married. <laughs> She's so a very attractive happy. woman. That's true. Beautiful yes, inside thank and you. out. <clears throat> so continuing north, you'll pass Oxnard and Ventura. Oxnard is known for their strawberries. Um, actually, it's the um, largest uh, pr- producer of strawberries for California in Oxnard. 
So if you go through there um, during strawberry season, you might want to drive down one of the main roads and buy some fresh strawberries from one of their stands. Actually, even just past Camarillo, there's a great little organic uh, farmer's market. Yeah. Right on, right on the side of the freeway. And they're that's just awesome. The strawberries are huge, and they're yes. it's like eating candy. They're delicious. Um, the season runs from mid December through July, and the peak season goes from April through June. So there's a lot of time to get those delicious California strawberries. Um, as an aside, mm-hmm. this is really important. The Dallas Cowboys train in Oxnard. So if you want to go watch the boys um, train, they do sell tickets. Just look it up on the web. And um, I definitely, that's the team I root for. So I really want to go check them out. Um, uh, also, one thing I'm going to interrupt about Oxnard. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's been a big, people are like, okay, where is he going with this? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere with this. There's been a big push all over the boards. It's, you know, I think there's now websites and fan clubs for the Diz Unplugged podcast. The, the <laughs> what is, like the, like, okay, so driving by Burbank to see Nancy's, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe if you're going all the way to, to the museum so you can see um, Michael. Michael's and you stop by, um, and you stop by Fresno to see Tom. But just so you know that my... Where do they go to see you? Well, again... This is why it's like this is the ne- the next level, the next <laughs> level tour. Um, Oxnard was the first teaching job I ever had when I was oh. skinny and young. So oh. if you'd like so, to stop so by our leg, the Tony's Patel tour. Yes, when you want to go to that leg, um, the R. It's again, it's day six. So, yeah, so um, look, look for yes. the statue of Tony that's been erected I think that in might his be honor. Day seven or eight, but okay. erected oh, by no. Tony. But yes, I taught in Oxnard and. You can get some really good Mexican food in Oxnard. Oh, my god! I would suggest the place that I wanted to go. And the last time I was there, and I got to um, show Andrew, like, this is the first place I taught. And it's totally different now and everything. Um, but it's no longer there. So um, the restaurant. But um, you can get really good um, Mexican food in oh, Oxnard. Oh, Roz took me to a, a Mexican restaurant there. Food was fabulous. Fabulous. Anyway. Um, if you also want to make a side trip, um, you can also take a boat out to the Channel Islands. That's going to be one of my segments too, Nancy. For um, well, very good. Oh yeah, See, definitely we worth think it. Like, <laughs> definitely worth it. Um, Oxnard has a lot of beaches with sand dunes, and it's also known for their rip current. So, although it's not, they're not great for swimming. They do have a lot of surfing out there. Point Winimi, um, in in support of the naval air base at Point Magoo. Is there? It's the deepest port between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and the major export would be the agriculture from California. One of um, among the famous people from Oxnard, you have Caesar or Cesar Chavez, who um, was a farm worker and a political activist, well known in California. I don't know how mm-hmm. well known he is outside California, but um, we have a Caesar Chavez Day, and and um, a lot of people hold him in high esteem depending what side of the um, argument you, yeah, you're on. Wow, you did that so well. <laughs> so, that was beautiful. <laughs> kind of, anyway, so um, just beyond Oxnard is the town of Ventura. It's officially known as the city of San, of San Buenaventura, or in Chumash, um, it was called Shisholop, which means in the mud. Because this whole area, bef- it, when... Um, the Europeans first came was pretty muddy scrub brush oaks not um, nearly as green and beautiful as it is now 
Uh, one of the Spanish missions is here. It's the mission of San Buenaventura, which means good fortune. It was founded in 1782. And besides the mission, there is the Olivas Adobe, which is one of the early California rancho homes. It's now a museum, and they hold uh, reenactments of the early rancho life and other things over there. So that would be interesting. There, I'm, I'm telling you this because even though the destination is Santa Barbara, there's so many things to see in all these towns along the coast. And so you could really have a full day um, depending on what, you, what interests you um, when you're here in California, Southern California. So as we continue up the coast, we have the Pacific Ocean to the left, the hills of the coastal mountains to the right. Um, off in the distance, you're going to see the Channel Islands, and you're going to see the island of um, Santa Cruz. Anna, I think it's Anacapa Island is to, would be to the left if you can see it on a clear day. And Santa Cruz is, I think, one of the largest islands. There's two big islands in this chain. Um, you'll also see a bunch of oil derricks off in the distance. About halfway between Ventura and Santa Barbara, there's this one lone pier that goes to an island that also um, has oil derricks. And just beyond that pier, you'll notice on the right-hand side a really small town, or it looks like actually a small neighborhood. And that's the town of La Conchita. In 2005, a huge landslide occurred here, which covered 15 homes, and they made an additional 16 uninhabitable and killed 10 people. Um, my co-worker and I actually went there because we saw a sign that said seven avocados for a dollar and we couldn't pass it up. And as we entered the community, we saw this huge sign that said, um, danger, enter at your own risk to the neighborhood. So it was really kind of weird to see all these homes in an area that um, is considered high risk. And they have crosses over the mounds of dirt that bury the people. And so it was interesting sad when you read the, the ages of the children that perished in that in that mudslide and you can see where the where the mud slid down and you guys might remember that it was a big event in 2005 there so yeah. it's just something it's about halfway between um, Ventura and Santa Barbara so um, continuing up the road we finally come to Santa Barbara which is also known as the American Riv Riviera due to the beautiful homes and their views of the Pacific Ocean. Um, it's unique in California in that it's nestled between the Santa Ynez Mountains and the Pacific Ocean, and the beaches of Santa Barbara face south instead of west. So when you see the sunset, it's going to be off to the right instead of straight in front of you because you're going to be facing south, which is kind of a weird feeling because you keep thinking you're facing west. So <clears throat> the weather is mild here and favors a Mediterranean-type climate. And you'll notice that Santa Barbara resembles a Spanish city with all of the beautiful red-tiled roofs. And again, there's um, trees all over the place. There was an earthquake that demolished a lot of the buildings. And when they rebuilt it, they decided that they would rebuild it in the style of the, of the Spanish style. So it's really, really beautiful. It uh, has an interesting history. When the Europeans first arrived, there were five Chumash villages in the area. Father Junipero Serra founded the Presidio in 1782, and a Presidio basically was like a fort that was built to convert um, the Native Americans to Christianity um, in a loving way, I'm sure. 
And also, it was to set, um, they were worried that the Russians were going to, don't make me laugh, Nancy. They were worried that the Russians, <laughs> that there the, was nothing <laughs> yeah. loving. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also didn't want the Russians to come because they were hunting otters and, and other coastal um, animals, fish, etc. And so the Spanish wanted to make sure that this land remained part of Spain. So they um, founded the Presidio and the Santa Barbara Mission in 1784. And just a little bit of trivia, Father Junipero Serra died two years before the Santa Barbara Mission was finished. So he never saw it. It's still standing today, and it's in service. Um, There are no Chumash Native Americans left anymore, although their descendants do live in the area. And a lot of the names of the some of the towns and the streets, neighborhoods, etc., are come from words of the Chumash. The prominent pier is called the Stearns Wharf, or Stearns Wharf. It was built in 1872, and it's the largest wooden pier that you can still drive onto. At the end of the pier, and then you drive onto it, and you can park your car on there. And I think that's for California. At the end of the pier, there's some restaurants, and I actually had lunch there one time. Um, some clam chowder overlooking the ocean, and it was delicious. Um, At one time, Santa Barbara was home to dangerous outlaws, including the famous, um, if you've ever heard of Jack Powers, he was a charismatic gambler and and, um, a blackguard, and he was eventually driven out by a posse that came from San Luis Obispo. In the early 1900s, they discovered oil, And there was so much oil, there's so much natural oil below the waters that when the ships were coming in, they saw the oil slicks there around Santa Barbara. And so in the early 1900s, they decided to start um, drilling for oil. And it continued, and as technology got better, they kept going farther and farther out in the water, and that's why you see all those oil derricks. Well, in 1969, there was a huge oil spill. They They didn't shore up one of the holes or wells, um, well enough, and when they oil started spilling out, they capped it so the oil wouldn't spill out, and there was so much pressure that it came out through the bedrock and into the ocean. And um, it, only, it only took 13 minutes to cap it when the oil was spilling, but then it was days of the oil spill. It was the third largest uh, oil disaster for the United States. And because of the spill... Um, a ship is now permanently stationed nearby for cleanup if this should ever happen again. And the events due to the spill inspired the U.S. and the world to observe Earth Day. And that's where that came from, for the preservation of the planet. Um, homes along the Santa Barbara Hills have view of the ocean and the Channel Islands. And because of their location up on the hill and the way that they're situated, they have views of both sunrises and sunsets. So you can imagine that these would be very expensive homes over there. When you do arrive in Santa Barbara on the 101 freeway, you're either going to get off on Garden Street, State Street, or Castillo Street. When you get off on these streets, drive straight to the ocean. The road along there is called Shoreline Drive, and turn right. Go past the main area of of Santa Barbara, and there's going to be a street called Loma Alta Drive, but you'll see a little, kind of like a little beach shack, kind of looks like a Ruby's, an old Ruby's. And that place is called the Shoreline Cafe, I Shoreline Beach Cafe. I highly recommend, 
having breakfast over there once you get to Santa Barbara or having um, brunch over there, depending what time you get there. Um, Roz and I were there in late January. Um, she's one of our Diz friends. And we sat there on the beach, on the sand, having breakfast, overlooking the ocean, surfers in the distance. Absolutely gorgeous. There were, um, the way they have this place set up. Were the surfers in the distance gorgeous or the, <laughs> scene, scene, the whole scenario. The whole scenery surfers was. Surfers in the distance are always gorgeous. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's up close that it's not so good. Well, you know what? It, it kind, of re- kind of reminded me of Soaring Over California, um, where they show the surfers and you, when you're, you can see them coming in. Just you could hear the seagulls? Uh, you could see the, hear the seagulls, and you could see the uh, <laughs> sandpipers running in the in the sand also. Just it was just beautiful, and it was so funny because what they've done is they put big boulders to kind of like mark out the patio, and beyond the boulders they have stakes in the ground, and that's where people can uh, tie their dogs while they're eating. And at ten thirty in the morning, there was a couple at the edge of the little sand the beach patio and the guy had his shirt off the girl was in her tank top and they were totally sunbathing drinking their coronas and Roz was telling me you know she goes this early in the morning and I said hey life is good in Santa Barbara so it was the food was um, if you can imagine Santa Barbara the food was healthy it was all fresh and everything so it was good and we, we basically had a choice of that restaurant or the original Sambo restaurant and I'm really glad that we chose that one because just um, being able to look at the waves as they crashed on the beach and everything was just really pretty. But like I said, the original Sambo restaurant is still standing. It doesn't have the decor that was famous during the 60s and 70s, but it's still there. Um, after having breakfast, I recommend getting back on Shoreline Drive, turning right, and go back to Garden Street. On the corner of Garden Street and Shoreline Drive is the Visitor Center. They have a lot of brochures. They have people there who can help you plan your day there at Santa Barbara. And they have a nice parking lot there. You do have to pay for parking, but may as well park there instead of fighting for other places. They have shuttles that take you around Santa Barbara, and they have different tours. They have one of those duck tours where you ride in the... In the um, the, the shuttle. Am- amphibious yeah, vehicle. Amphibi- thank you. Amphibious ve- vehicle that'll take you into the ocean. They have one that looks like this racing <coughs> flaming car uh, convertible that probably sits around maybe six or eight people in it. That looked really cool. And then they had one called the Trolley. It's the Santa Barbara Trolley Company. And we decided to take that tour. And the Santa Barbara Trolley Company is a, it's a trolley that's if you stay on it and you don't get off, it's a 90-minute tour of the city, and it takes you down into Montecito and throughout Santa Barbara, and it's a hop-off, hop-off hop, um, hop and on type tour, and that's $19. So we took that one, and I highly recommend it. The, um, t- the driver's knowledgeable. He told us some of the history of Santa Barbara and also took us to some interesting spots. And if somebody wanted to get off the trolley, like let's say when we were going through downtown and somebody wanted to go in a store, they just had to let him know and he stopped the trolley so they could get off. If you just want to travel into downtown or to one of the local places, there's shuttles that you can 
um, pick up and go around Santa Barbara on those. So you have your choice of driving and parking the shuttle or taking this trolley. Um, the trolley takes you to 16 different stops, and they ha- they give you a little um, horario. They give you an itinerary that tells you um, what time the trolley will come back and pick you up and the last pickup. And the last pickup's at 5.30 at the Santa Barbara Courthouse. Um, speaking of the Santa Barbara Courthouse, that apparently is a beautiful building, the architecture, and you can take an elevator for free to the top, and they have a big tower at the top that gives you a 360-degree view of Santa Barbara. So next time nice. I go there, I'm going to go. Um, you could, And where it stands, you can see the ocean, and you can just see a lot of the different areas. One of the rules in Santa Barbara is that you cannot have any of the buildings over three stories, and that's to allow the buildings that are on the hillsides to have the view of the ocean. So you don't have any skyscrapers that are breaking the view. You just have this imagery of um, the Spanish style and a lot of foliage and gardens and flowers and trees. It's just beautiful. Um, We went to Montecito. Have any of you guys heard of Montecito? Yes. Okay. I I, I had heard about (laughs) it, but I really didn't know about it. Apparently, it's one of the... um, um, most exclusive um, neighborhoods in the U.S. A lot of a lot of beautiful homes and rich people live there. Um, there were these two brothers that were building a home, and they spent fifty million dollars to build this home. It was the uh, the um, their dream home, and Oprah Winfrey happened to come by, and she fell in love with it, and she bought it for fifty million dollars. And then she put in another $30 million to make it her own. So you have homes like that. Um, Steve Martin lives there. or They have homes there. Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Rob Lowe, Drew Mer- Barrymore, John Travolta, Bruce Willis. Um, we also saw this country club that had this white tower. And there's a home there that's worth $100 million. That has, it's built along the beach in Montecito. And it's owned by a guy named Ty Warner. Does anybody know who Ty Warner is? I do. You know? Okay. I think. Wait, Ty Warner? Yes. I retract that statement. Never mind. He made millions by selling these little small stuffed animals that we call beanie babies. Oh. So the dude is totally rich, and he has this beautiful um, mansion over there. Also, there's a... Did he invent Beanie Babies or just sold a bunch on eBay? <laughs> no, he invented them. <laughs> okay. That's the little, the little heart with the tie. Oh, yeah, it does say tie yeah. on it, huh? That's who it, yeah. it was, and it all made sense yeah. um, when we got there. Um, also, um, there's a beautiful, ho- beautiful hotel there that's now a double tree, but it was built by Fess Parker. So he had his hotel there. Again, he could only build um, up to three stories, so his hotel is its kind of like a ranch style. It just goes out, and the rooms face the ocean. So that's another really beautiful... And, and the trolley, um, the tour guide would let us look through, and you could see through the big glass windows, and you could see the ocean through their, um, their lobbies and everything. So pretty. Another stop that they have there is the Montecito Inn, and this is a hotel that was built by Roscoe Fetty Arbuckle, Charlie Chaplin and some of their friends back in 1928 as an escape from show business. So the inn has a complete library of Chaplin's films 
and his image is seen etched in the glass doors in the hallways, which are lined with movie posters, and also on the sign for Montecito Inn, it has his profile on the sign itself. And Montecito in Santa Barbara is home of the Playing Ace Studios, which were used in the early days of movie making. And at that time, they either um, were there before Hollywood or they were just as important as the Hollywood studios. Um, continuing on in the tour, we went to a place called Butterfly Beach. And the reason why it's called that is there used to be eucalyptus trees and monarch, bullet, excuse me, monarch butterflies swarmed the area. So the trees got um, some kind of sickness and they were cut down. So there's, they don't have the butterflies there anymore, but they still have the name of the beach. Absolutely beautiful. And this was one of the places that President Kennedy and Jacqueline Kennedy honeymooned when um, they got married in this area. Um, they have an, Montecito also has um, what they call Lotus Land Gardens. It's a private garden, and you can only go there by taking a tour. The tour is like $40, and they do not let you go anywhere on your own. They don't want anybody cutting the plants, but they have unusual um, plants in there to go see. And because it's so lush, it's another highly recommended place to go. Um, from Montecito, the tour takes you past the Santa Barbara Zoo, and as we went past the zoo, we could see the giraffes, and they had a baby giraffe that was playing and everything, and so it was really cute. Um, they have some more gardens that you could see. You also pass East Beach, which is famous for the volleyball, and apparently they do training there for the Olympics on that beach. You go past the harbor, the Museum of Natural History, and the old Santa Barbara Mission. We actually stopped at the old Santa Barbara Mission and spent about 15 minutes there, but you can always, like I said, hop off and spend more time. And you, um, at the mission, they have self-guided tours. They have a film to see and a museum. And Santa Barbara Mission, for those of you who know some of the missions here, is the only mission that has two bell towers. There was an earthquake, and the bell tower crumpled. And so the pastor sent a request to Spain asking for a new, belt, a new bell that they could hang up. And as they were building the new tower and cleaning up the mess from the old one, they found the other bell, so they just made two towers since they now had two bells to put them in. Um, from there, we went to downtown Santa Barbara. Downtown Santa Barbara was adorable. There were shops, so many shops. I could, you could probably spend a few hours just going up and down the street. Um, they have all kinds of cafes, shops. There's also the Presidio that I had mentioned earlier that's there. And the Presidio has a, um, a museum in there also. They have the Casa de la Guerra, which is a name. The name of the guy was de la Guerra, his last name, which means from the war, which kind of makes you wonder what kind of family he comes from. But um, you can go through there and you can see how they lived back in the olden days in that area. The Amtrak station is also located over there, and next to it is the Morton Bay Fig Tree. Have any of you ever heard of the Morton Bay Fig Tree and know its significance in Santa Barbara? Mm. It's the largest crown spread tree in the United States. Four and a half feet above the circumference of the tree itself is 41 and a half feet. This is a fig tree. And the, ca wow. and the crown spread is 198 feet. And the tree's about 80 feet high. It's, it's um, I forget how old it is. It's really old. Um, and it has, it's, it's huge. 
um, it was given by an Australian guy, gave it to his girlfriend, and I guess he left and never came back. And so the girlfriend's sister um, uprooted the tree and she planted it in the square, which happens to be next to the Amtrak station. So you can see it now. It's, it's really pretty. There's another tree, the sister of this tree, that's in the middle of an IHOP restaurant. So they just built the restaurant around it, and you can see this big tree sprouting out from the restaurant. So that was kind of cool to see when we passed it. If you go to Santa Barbara on the weekend, every Sunday they have an arts and crafts show near the Stearns Wharf. And so you just walk along the, the park that's along the coast, the beach right there, and everything is handmade by local artists. Um, they also have a Spanish Days Fiesta held in August and a summer solstice parade in, in the summer, of course. And they have the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. So there's a, there's a lot happening in Santa Barbara. Um, and if it's going to be your ultimate destination, because there is so much to do in Santa Barbara, you can either drive a car, or if you're not going to rent a car, you can, or if you don't have your own car, you're not going to rent. You could actually take the train from Anaheim to Union Station and go up to Santa Barbara on the train and sightsee from there. So it's very accessible from the Disneyland Resort. And I don't know how long it would take. Do you know, Tony, offhand, how long it would take to, to take the train from the Disneyland? Yes, okay. actually, it takes a while because I used to do that. It's a good, like, four... It's a good, like, four hours, three or four hours, if not more. Because of all the stops, right? Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, because it's only like 35 minutes, 35, 40 minutes from Anaheim to Union Station. But then that's only like one stop. Yeah, you stop at Fullerton and then Union Station, yeah. right? Yeah. So I guess there's yeah. a lot of stops going up to Santa Barbara. So, I mean, if you want to take a really long day and not drive and that's the only way you can get up there, then go ahead and take the train. But on this trip, we still have daylight left, so we're going to continue up to the quaint town of Solvang. Um, to get to Solvang, you take the 101 freeway, and there's two ways to get there. On the way to Solvang, I took the 154, and by taking this road, you get to see some of the Southern California landscape. You go through the rolling hills that are covered in grass, brush, oak trees, and right now, because we're in winter, most, it's mostly brown and golden, and especially since we're going through our drought, it's everything was brown but during the springtime it's all covered in green grass which is absolutely gorgeous and you pass Kachuma Lake which is a local reservoir we actually went camping there and the lake is really nice except you can't swim wade um, no they don't want anybody to go in there because it's drinking water so you can take canoes on there but they don't want your body in it so um, if you like to swim and stuff, that's not the lake for you. Yeah, Tony's right about the about the train. Uh, leaves at 8.07 in the morning, gets to Santa Barbara at 11.40 here, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of a long... Yeah, it's kind of... It is a long hour, trip. Yeah. We've done that. Three and a half hours. So if you want to go on a train trip because you love trains, you might want to do that. But otherwise, rent a car. Um, renting a car, you'll be able to stop at the other places that I had mentioned if you want to explore... And it gives you just so much more flexibility. Thank you for looking that up, Tom. Mm, no problem. From the 154, as we pass Kachuma Lake, we get to the 246. And you take the 246 west for about 10 miles, and then you hit Solvang. Um, before you hit Solvang, though, there's a Chumash Casino. And apparently that's... Uh, mm. <laughs> exactly, right? Another reason why you might want to drive. 
And so you might have, if you have Tom in there, you drop him off at the casino and then head mm-hmm. into Solvang. Um, many um, Danes moved from Denmark to the United States between 1850 and 1930, and a lot of them settled in the Midwest. And around 1911, they came out west and founded Solvang. They wanted to get away from the cold winters, and they wanted to um, set up some of their, I think it's Lutheran churches. Um, And so they came west, and they founded, like I said, Solvang. So the architecture of many of the buildings in downtown or in the town itself, they give you a feeling of being in Denmark. Um, Once you park, there's plenty of parking and you don't have to pay for it. You can stroll the streets, visit the many shops. I think one of the h- most difficult decisions that you have when you're there is deciding which bakery you're going to go stop in to go <laughs> eat. There's so many bakeries. They have um, Dutch chocolate that they make there. So I did get some marzipan and, and chocolate. and um, They also have a lot of different little restaurants, places to um, have a beer, um, Danish-type food. They also had this one store that we, Roz had to take a picture, that had a lot of uh, wooden shoes and wooden shoe slippers. So it reminded us of a Medin, Yvette and Emil, you know, when we saw them, which they kind of wondered why they had Dutch slippers in a Danish town. But Danish town, man. But anyways, um, they also have toy shops. There's a huge Christmas store over there with um, ornaments, other figurines that are made in Denmark. Um and if you know those type of like little candle towers and other nutcrackers and other things there, um, they also sold lace in their stores. They had a lot of clothes, a lot of a lot of handmade things over there. Just really, really beautiful. There's um, some big windmills there also um, that people were taking pictures. And in my blog, I'll have some of these pictures so you could just see what a pretty town it is. They also have um, parks there that are um, dedicated to Christian Anderson, Hans Christian Anderson, and they have a, a replica of the Statue of the Little Mermaid there also, which I thought was really cool. Um, they have a replica of the Copenhagen's Round Tower, which is built a third to scale from the original one. And also next, next to Solvang is another mission. This one is Mission Santa Ines, which was built in 1804. Um, It's located near the center of town. And although the Danes had established um, Solvangs in the the early 1900s, it really wasn't until after World War II that the townspeople started converting the buildings to a Danish style. Before, they were just copying what everybody else had. But then they really wanted to make their, their own town remind them of home. So they started, they built, there's four windmills in the town, and um, the oldest one was built in the 1940s. Um, because of the uh, resemblance to Denmark and the many delicious bakeries and other shops, Solvang has become a major California tourist attraction. A lot of tourists go there, and because of that, they have uh, horse-drawn carriages that will take you around and give you a tour of the city. There's a lot of wineries in the area, so you have wine tasting, um, a lot of shops with wine tasting also there. And even Danish royalty has visited Solvang. Um, the Danish crown prince Frederick and Princess Ingrid were there in 1939 and 1960 Princess Margaret of Denmark visited. And then also um, they celebrated their centennial in 2011 and Henrik, the prince consort of Denmark, he visited as well as the Danish ambassador 
um, Peter Toxo Jensen. And at that time, the prince dedicated Solvang Centennial Plaza, and there's two bricks there that carry the, the Danish royal monogram. Now, in there, um, near Solvang, I already told you about the Schumach uh, Casino Resort. Um, there's also some museums there. Other, like I said, there's vineyards and wineries. There's also ostrich land, which is a 33-acre ostrich and emu farm that's located there. <laughs> so there's a lot going on. It's not just... Disneyland is losing a lot of uh, business mm-hmm. to ostrich land. <laughs> <laughs> um, in September, they celebrate Danish days. And during the holidays, they celebrate Yule Fest. Um, so I would say probably in Solvang, you could probably spend maybe a couple of hours there easily um, if you want to, like I said, go and explore California. And then when you head home, just continue west and get when you get to the 101 freeway, you're going to be in the town of Buellton, which is home of the very famous Pea Soup Anderson restaurant. So this restaurant was built in 1924. And it's known to travelers up and down the coast who pass through here on their way to San Francisco or going from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And if you haven't had dinner in one of the many delicious restaurants, you might want to stop at the Anderson restaurant and have some pea soup or another bite to eat. Or you can stop um, in Santa Barbara at one of the many, many restaurants there um, and have a bite to eat on the way home. Or like Tony said, find one of the Mexican restaurants in Oxnard. Um, it's probably no. It's Solvang. You need to eat in Solvang. Yeah, well, I personally, I think if you're going to go that distance, you should eat in Solvang. Yeah, that's kind of their thing. Yeah, the the food was we we did have some pastry and coffee when we were there. It was to die for. It was really good. Of course, she did. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, then by by this time, it's going to be start getting dark. You he- get on the 101 and head. Head south, and when you see that beautiful sunset, stop at one of the beaches and enjoy, take some pictures, and head on home. And I think by the time you do head home, you'll have missed the afternoon traffic, and it'll probably be dark by the time you get to the Disneyland Resort. Because, like I said before, it is a full day, but well worth um, taking the time to see this part of California. Awesome. Thank you, Mary Jo. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.